Welcome to Radio Beacon, the podcast of Beacon Communications. I am Dan Kittredge, editor of the Cranston Herald, reporting here on uh, Friday, June 11th. Um, time continues to fly, and uh, we uh, we have quite a busy weekend coming up here locally. I'm sure folks, in, uh, especially in Cranston and Warwick, know it's graduation weekend in Cranston. I'll be uh, at the, the NEL CPS uh Construction and Career Academy uh, graduation this evening outdoors at Cranston West. I'll be at the uh, Cranston East graduation tomorrow night outdoors at the Cranston Stadium. And uh, Stephanie Bernaba, a contributor to the Herald, will be covering West tomorrow morning. So looking forward to that. There's been outdoor proms at the stadium this week. And of course, uh, tomorrow... Uh, Gatsby Days returns um, after uh, uh, last year with the pandemic uh, having to cancel all of the usual events. It is triumphantly returning. Got a uh, um, organizers weren't sure they'd be able to pull it off. The 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 arts and crafts festival typically held on Memorial Day um, is the big fundraiser that supports the Gatsby Day committee's work every year because of. Uh, the limbo things were in earlier this spring um, and, and winter. Uh, it was unclear if they'd be able to, um, the, they knew they weren't going to have the festival, but the, the fundraising aspect was uncertain. And uh, they're trying to prepare for the 250th anniversary of the burning of the Gatsby next year, which will be quite a celebration. Um, so, uh, but that through a community fundraising effort, uh, the organizers of the parade well exceeded their goal. They had initially planned a, a kind of a scaled back version of the parade, but they're going full on. And I think they even have some acts that uh, they, they, they typically haven't had. So um, that will be a great event and uh, really a moment to, for our communities to, to celebrate what is increasingly feeling um, like, like it did pre, uh, pre COVID folks are, are out and about, um, you know, there's none of the business restrictions and things, or for the most part, not that we've, uh, gotten so used to in the last year. So, and the weather, uh, after a pretty hot spell earlier this week, is pretty beautiful right now and looks to be nice through, uh, through the foreseeable future. So, um, there's a lot to be excited about this weekend, a lot to enjoy. I'll keep this intro brief today. Um, check out the Herald this week for uh, um, a couple of big stories. Uh, the, the, we've talked quite a bit about the Costco, Mulligan's Island, Cranston Crossing uh, debate and, and that whole situation, which has been going on for um, a year at this point, at least a better uh, almost a, a full year um, from its introduction to today. And uh, I won't recap the whole saga, but uh, folks will recall uh, that um, the developer's proposal hit a, a major roadblock, if not a, a you know, kind of a, a dead end. Um, recently with a, a vote from a key committee of the city council that um, prevented another uh, submission, basically new consideration of a zoning change that's needed for Costco to come to Mulligan's Island. Well, the developer now is um, uh, laying the groundwork, um, or formally laying the groundwork for a lawsuit against the city um, seeking uh, $46 million in damages. The this demand letter, which is required by state law as part of a claims process against a city or town that was sent to Cranston by the attorney representing uh, Coastal Partners, uh, which is the developer behind the project. Um, this letter estimated the, the lost revenue um, and damages at between 30 and 46 million. It uh, accuses former Mayor Alan Fung and Mayor Ken Hopkins of um, political interference and kind of unlawfully uh, um, working to kill the Mulligan's Costco project in an effort to steer Costco to Sakanasa Crossroad at a property owned by Carpionato Group. Carpionato has pushed back and through a spokesman called it, uh, I think, ridiculous, you know, 
dismissing the allegations. Um, Mayor Fung also strongly pushed back against Coastal Partners. The Hopkins administration was uh, said on the advice of legal counsel. They were they were withholding comment at this point. But anyway, um, this is going to be something to watch. It does appear heading to court. I mean, it it certainly uh, appeared that way at points during the debate um, over this whole project. You know, there's been hours of meetings, uh, hearings. There's been a lot of discussion about this, and certainly at points it seemed clear to me that uh, the developer was preparing for this eventuality, and uh, that's where things are heading. So um, we'll see how this all works out, but uh, that was kind of the big takeaway. Also, there's, there's a story uh, I put together on... Um, uh, there's been some, some debate over the city's pension fund for retired or closed pension fund for police and fire. Almost all of the members are retired, but there's a few active folks still in that plan. Um, I won't get into all of the details there, but the, the general treasurer's office uh, is questioning the, um, the rate of return uh, that the city is using um, on its investments in the, this fund that that's used to calculate the the standing of the fund and um all of that so i've got kind of a roundup of what the treasurer had to say that report on what uh on how mayor fung um and the current administration um are responding to that and what the city's democratic committee and the 2020 mayoral candidate of the democrats maria bucci had to say um they weighed in on this as well so Check all that out, and uh, with that all said, I'll pivot to uh, introducing our guest this week. He's familiar, certainly, to Cranstonians and uh, folks beyond as well, I think, in the, in the area. You know, he had 20 years of uh, service in elected office in Cranston between the school committee for 10 years and then 10 years as a member of the city council, first representing Ward 1, and then a uh, one term as a citywide councilman, Steve Stikos. And uh, last year he was the nominee, uh, or excuse me, was a candidate for the Democratic nomination for mayor. Um, it was, uh, I thought having Steve in would be, uh, um, you know, he's had a few months uh, out of office, of course, in Cranston. Um, there are term limits. Steve reached his... Uh, five consecutive term limit from the council. So he was barred from seeking reelection and ran for mayor instead. Um, but I thought, uh, you know, given his, um, his kind of vantage point as a long, long tenured official and uh, as someone who made a run for mayor last year, um, it would be a great chance to get some perspective from him on what he sees uh, going on in, on the city level. Um, you know, given the, the, the big debates that are going on, um, and I hadn't caught up with him for a while. So he was gracious enough to make some time for me yesterday. We came in, we had a good chat. Um, like I said, we talk about the, the city and his views on the, the mayor, the council. Um, we also get into, uh, um, you know, his, uh, his work on open space and, uh, other issues that he sees as critical. We talk about this, uh, likely, um, what I, th- what I think is going to become a, a more front and center debate in the uh, weeks to come here, the, uh, how, how the city will use its um, federal stimulus funding, a really significant amount of money coming in. Some of it <clears throat> will be used to bridge a, uh, a revenue gap um, in the budget this year, but uh, there's still quite a lot, um, and there doesn't seem to be much clarity at this point still on... Uh, how exactly these funds can be used. So we talked to Steve a bit about that as well. Um, so without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with former uh, city councilman and mayoral candidate Steve Stikos, and uh, have a great weekend.
Steve Sykos, former member of the Cranston City Council. How are you? It's good to see you. Good. Yeah, nice, nice to be here, and thank you for inviting me to talk with you. Oh, of course. It's been nice uh, lately. There's been more events in person happening again. The other night was a fire promotion ceremony. There was a ribbon cutting in uh, Patuxent a couple weekends ago, and it's been nice to see everybody, and uh, it's good particularly to catch up with you, having uh, the last few months not... Uh, uh, well, I guess it's, you know, even before that, before, uh, since the pandemic, uh, you know, haven't seen you then. And then um, it's been a few months that you've been off the council now. I feel like I see people because I'm watching the meetings on Zoom. And then, uh, but it's nice to see folks in person again. How, how is life after, I think it was, what, 20 years of consecutive of, of service between the school committee and, and the council? How are you uh, uh, enjoying or coping with life after, after all that? Uh, well, I'm enjoying, uh, I've had a lot of time to read in the evening rather than go to meetings, and yeah. that's been really nice. I read a lot of uh, good books this winter, and then um, now I'm running the vegetable farm, and uh, I get to go home and take a nap and eat dinner and not have to go to a meeting. So that, that's, that's been uh, nice, and uh, uh, yeah, I've been working on a couple of things I, with... Uh, there's a, a book by David Tallamy, who's a professor at the University of Delaware, called Nature's Best Hope. And he writes about how, uh, he's a biologist, he writes about how preserving land is, is great, but the uh, collapse of the insect population and the bird population in particular shows that really we have to make uh, big changes, and what he's advocating is a uh, making your front. He calls it making your front yard into a national park, and uh, taking a, a part of your um, grassy front yard, which is pretty useless as far as uh, an ecological function, mm -hmm. and planting um, native plants, because so many of the insects. They don't eat everything. They eat certain native plants. So if those plants aren't available, then there aren't any insects or butterflies, and that means there isn't food for the birds. And of course, it it uh, escalates. Yeah. So um, the most best known one of that is the monarch butterfly, which depends on milkweed uh, to lay its eggs. So. Uh, so we uh, worked together, uh, five or six of us, five of us, and uh, had uh, 29 people sign up for a, a native garden in a box that we sold for $25, which was cost. Oh, cool. Uh, so those are going up uh, around uh, the city, and we're going to do that, I think, next year. So that, that's been interesting, both... Um, learning about this uh, David Tallamy book, uh, which I'd never heard of until two of the five, two of the other four people told me to read it. What is the name uh, of it? Nature's Best Hope. Nature. He's actually coming to uh, Rochambeau Library, well, vi uh, by Zoom. He's coming to Rochambeau Library and maybe uh, at the end of June, maybe somewhere in the 20s, um, talking about a new book that he's written on uh, oak trees and again he says that oaks are really he calls them a, a keystone species that so many other species depend on them both animals and insects and and butterflies so uh, anyway that's been an interesting little uh, non-political project that yeah I've been no uh, part of that sounds great yeah, i know during your your tenure conservation and 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 uh, planting trees and, and focusing on those kind of issues in the city was a big uh, pursuit of yours. Yeah, and that's another thing that I've continued to work on is publicizing that program. And uh, Sarah Lee, the uh, former councilwoman, uh, she came up with, uh, again, we have a small six-member committee. She came up with the idea of sending a postcard about the tree planting program to everyone in the city who had bought a house within the last year. And um, the uh, uh, 
tax assessor, um, Mark Capuano, uh, ran labels for us, and we did a, a postcard um, and sent it out. And so that's generating more interest in that, that uh, city tree planting program. And I think we're up in the close to 250 trees at this point yeah. have been planted. That's great. How's your work at the farm? Well, that's, you know, it's, um, I need volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, we're growing uh, vegetables for food pantries, and uh, things are going fairly well. You know, you get a few things don't go well and every year, but um, we've been harvesting lettuce and asparagus, uh, kale, what else? Snap peas we did today for the first time. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. If anyone wants to volunteer, they should contact me. Sure. Um, we won't kill anybody. We adjust the work to the people's <laughs> physical abilities. We don't have you throwing around hay bales or anything like that. Yeah. What's the best way to have folks reach you? Uh, I guess uh, at um, my email, which is stycos26 at gmail.com. Um, or they could call me on my uh, phone, 461-2618. I know I was going to make mention of this later, too, but uh, this might be a better point. I, I see that you've continued uh, sending out a, a, your community newsletter, um, or at least I, I believe I received it recently. Yeah, I, I've only, I think I've done uh, two since uh, I've been off the council, yeah. so it's pretty irregular. Um, but, uh, I think you're yeah. a, a bit of a trendsetter with that. I notice a lot of the other council, or several other council uh -huh. folks seem to have started doing that. Yeah, it's a good way to get people um, up to speed on what's going on and yeah. uh, hopefully get them involved. How closely have you been following the goings-on? Or have you been kind of just... Well, I read the Cranston Herald every week. <laughs> well, then you're... Then <laughs> so, you're... I'm right on top yeah. of everything. We try. <laughs> no, you do a nice job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been following things from afar. I haven't gone and testified at the city council, or I, I did uh, uh, testify before the planning board on the Natick Solar issue in the screening, and uh, was fairly disappointed with with uh, their. Decisions. Um, there seemed to be a lot of support for a, a long-term planting plan because the screening for the neighbors, that's really the issue at this point, um, you know, it needs to be maintained. It doesn't need to be planted and then it all dies. And it seemed like a majority wanted to go for a long-term, uh, but uh, Bob Coop, uh, the housing authority director and former administrative or director of administration for Mayor Fung uh, was, I think he wanted to go for a year or two, or you know, he wanted to go at least two years, maybe three. And, I, yeah. and then everybody went along. It was like they were going to operate by consensus. So um, that's about the only public thing I've attended to yeah. do with city government. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of concern over that and the long-term, uh, you know, issues associated with these, the solar facilities and I guess other developments as well. But uh. Yeah, and the planning department, which of course is separate from the planning commission, or the plan commission, um, uh, I'm actually, I joined on to a, a lawsuit that the neighbors are filing or have filed, uh, arguing that the part of the process was uh, screwed up because the planning director, uh, Jason Pizzullo, told the commission when they were considering an issue that the um, there had been a waiver granted uh, when there had not been a waiver granted. And uh, I've had other instances with, um, with Mr. Pizzullo where he's uh, said things that simply weren't true. And I, I felt this was particularly bad, that when you're on a public body, you need to get good information, not um, slanted information from a staff person who wants to get you to go one way or the other. And that's what I think uh, uh, Mr. Pizzullo did in that case.
this is the suit, uh, the Data Gap project. Is that the one that Councilwoman Marino is is party to as well, or is that is this a different? Uh... Well, I think there's one suit over the project. Yeah. And then, which I'm not part of, okay. and that's older. And then there's a more recent suit okay. over this, um, the way this board, the development, the plan review board did not grant a waiver to certain um, landscaping requirements, but that um, the commission was led to believe that they had. Okay. And so that's the one I'm part of. I, I was not aware of that one. Uh, yeah, I think they're they're trying to, um, and it's not going to stop the project, but they're trying to get sort of a rerun yeah. on the, the process on the on the landscaping. Sure. I um one thing I wanted to ask about, given you know for a number of years you were the finance committee chairman on the council, um, what were your thoughts about how the the budget process unfolded this year, what the final product looked like. I know there was criticism of the mayor's plan and the mayor's, you know, no tax cre increase uh, assertion. You know, folks pointed out that because of the reval, you know, and even the administration acknowledged that for some folks, taxes will go up because of that property values increasing. But uh, what, what, were, what were your kind of big takeaways? And well, I guess um, uh, I was disappointed that with a, a $23 million gift out of the sky from the federal government that there wasn't any um, that I could see real uh, innovation or attempts to do things differently that uh, $7.9 million of that was used instead of raising taxes and that's, you know, there was an avoidance of any kind of cut, uh, and that's going to be a problem next year unless they plan to use another 8, 10, 15 million next year to balance the budget. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's the old, it's a structural deficit, so it's a one time thing, and I would have preferred, um, I mean, I would have been open to a lot of ideas, but I would have uh, liked to see some debt of the city retired. Uh, the city currently pays about a million dollars a year in interest on past borrowing. I think that might have been a, a one thing to do to firm up the city's future uh, financial condition. Or there could have been, you know, innovative thing, one-time expenditures, but I, I didn't see that in the budget. So that was the the big thing that I was uh, disappointed in. Yeah. What um, What are your, What are your thoughts on the mayor's performance at this point about the? Well, you know, I mean, I ran for mayor, so for me to uh, criticize Mayor Hopkins is a a bit of a you know it can sound like sour grapes. Although I lost in the primary, I didn't make it to the general. Um, I guess I was a little bit disturbed by actually the thing that I read that you wrote, the interview with him about um, his criticisms of the council. Um, really seemed like just about everybody on the council. And um, I hope that he is able to work with the council um, in the future on more uh, cooperative basis because I think people on the council have a lot of, um, you know, have a lot of different views on things and and things that ought to be considered by the mayor. Uh, he's, you know, we have a division of power between the council and the mayor, and that was asserted through uh, the council's overriding his many vetoes. But hopefully, there's more cooperation and dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, it has been striking, and I asked him about that, you know, the, the fact that, uh, and obviously he expressed his kind of concern over um, some of the way the votes have gone on the council, that, uh, you know, for a Republican-controlled council, especially one that, you know, has many allies of his, past allies, and uh, 
um, you know, votes have gone against the administration or not, not their way. It's been, it's been interesting to watch the, the dynamic play out. Um, yeah, and maybe he has very good reasons that would convince the council to go in a different direction. Um, but he's got to go to the meetings. I, I felt that that was something that uh, Alan Fung did not do. He didn't go to the council meetings um, except to deliver the budget address and then to tell us, like the last time I think he was there was telling us to pass that dumb uh, panhandling ordinance, which ended up costing the city, I don't know, by my calculations, over $300,000, around $300,000. So uh, I think it's important for the mayor to also listen to the citizens. And when they come on a hot issue, he should be there hearing what they have to say. Mm. What are your thoughts about the council? You know, it's a young council, a lot of uh, first-term or second-term folks. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think they've been performing so far? I mean, mean, from what I can see from afar, uh, fairly well. Uh, They're, I mean, separate from the the issues involved in the budget, it was good to see that a number of the, that they weren't, all party line votes mm. um, that that the uh, at least some of the Republicans were willing to uh, have a different opinion than the mayor, and I think that's that's very healthy, and makes a much uh, better council where uh, certainly the people will be willing to bring ideas forward, rat, rat for discussion rather than say, oh you know. The, as a minority member, oh, the majority will vote against that, all of them, they always vote together, and why even bother? Yeah. So I, I think that's very healthy. To go back to that um, the stimulus money, I'm, I'm imagining this is going to be much more of a discussion going forward about how that gets used. The line, it, it still seems to be that there's not a lot of clarity from the federal level about how precisely it can be utilized. I know they talked about it a bit on Monday and it seemed to, you know, there seems to be some uh, frustration there as well with kind of the word that's coming down from the feds. But, you know, it, it, what would you, you know, the, I'm assuming the, the use of this money is going to be something that uh, a lot of folks want to weigh in on. How, how do you think the city should use it? I know you've mentioned some ideas about paying down debt and, and stuff like that, but it, the, the final, I think it's, is it like twenty-seven million? I think that uh, on the municipal side, or yeah, I think it's twenty-seven million. I think that was the figure. I know there was there was a pot for the city. There was a pot for the schools. schools yeah, twenty-seven million. Um, well, I don't have a I don't have a plan that I thought of. I mean, my first thought was this is a chance to put a, a chunk of money into the pension fund, which is. Uh, uh, not in good shape. Um, I think it's 26% funded or something like that. I think it was 23, the cold uh, fire and police one. Uh-huh, yeah. Right. So, um, and that's actually, I think percentage-wise, that's worse than Providence. The dollar amount is, is less. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I actually m- mentioned that to uh, Councilman Donegan, and he told me that you couldn't use the money for that. So um, under the guidelines, or at least that's what the administration had said. Mm. So I guess that's the first thing I would check out is, can you do that? Because again, you're never gonna have another opportunity where you have this money that you could solve a a long-term problem like that pension, not solve it, make it better. Mm. Um, uh, So that's uh, one thing I'd look at. I'd look at capital spending instead of uh, borrowing money, uh, borrowing money to build a new school or um, buy trucks for the highway department, just uh, paying cash with that money. Mm. So those would be, and then I, I think the public may weigh in with, with uh, ideas of things that could be done. Uh, 
there's open space to be purchased that that could be uh, uh, could be another uh, possibility that would pay off uh, down the line by removing uh, possibilities for more sprawl and more uh, uh, population yeah. in the western part of the city. One thing I'm keeping an eye on too, and I actually got a, an inquiry about it the other day, is uh, Mechanicut Lake. I know you, I think you've been involved in that a mm -hmm. bit with the, uh, and whether there's been a lot of talk. I think uh, Council President Poplaskis particularly has been uh, a proponent of taking that back from the state. You know, have you heard uh, anything, any movement on this front? Uh, I haven't heard anything about that. I know at a meeting that I was at uh, years ago, uh, the, the state would like to give it to the city because mm. they, but I don't know really what the city gains by that, um, because they they do uh, minimal maintenance there. But yeah. then we'd have to do the city would have to pay for the maintenance. Um, I don't think they're, you know, the big the biggest problem now are the invasive uh, lotus lilies. Yeah in the pond and um, you know they're trying I think they're waiting the last time I talked to people at DEM they were waiting to see how the lilies came back after the um, the uh, chemical well they call it a treatment after the poisoning of them and there was a, a volunteer pull of the plants uh, which I participated in um, but uh, that's a huge a huge job yeah you'd pull up one leaf and then the way the, the lilies uh, function or you break off one leaf that then they would the others would come in and cover cover that area up so even though you were removing vegetation it the, the visual effect was the same. Hmm. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, so I don't know how that's. I don't. I don't have any criticism of DEM. I haven't heard any other way to to deal with it. And they did um, kind of jump right on it when we we had a meeting. I don't know. It must be four years ago at Cranston West with uh, with about forty five neighbors, and I think they were impressed by the fact that so many people came and were concerned about what's really an, an afterthought to them, I think, because, and they, they say this at meetings, where they spend their money is where the most people go, which is the beaches. Mm. And places like Mechanic could, you know, get minimal attention. Yeah. I'd be remiss not to ask what did, any any thoughts on this whole uh, Costco Mulligans situation. Well, I, I'm against the Costco at that site. Yeah, uh, and I haven't heard any. Every, you know, the it's nice to say, oh, we'd like them at another site, but you know, let's tell us what the other site is. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I think it's a very bad project. It's a. It's a. 1960s development with a massive parking lot, you know, encouraging uh, more vehicle traffic, and uh, driving local business, locally owned small business, out of business. We we hear a lot about how people are for small business, but you, I don't think you can be for small business and for these massive uh, projects that just destroy local hardware stores and everything else. Do you think the city, the way it, the process has played out, that this uh, this loss, potential lawsuit and demand from the developer, you know, the, do you think the city's facing any real uh, liability risk here? Oh, that it sh should have been declared a new project, the second proposal? Or just, yeah, anywhere, you know, throughout where the process has gone. Um. That's not something I know a lot about of yeah. the legal, but to me, I mean, if you <laughs> propose a Costco giving land to the city and a restaurant and a gas station, and then you say, well, we won't give the money to the city, the land to the city, and uh, we're not going to have a restaurant, 
that's the same project yeah. to me. I would have I would have voted that it was the same project. Elsewhere, I mean, what what else are the big things that you're watching, or you know, from a an open space conservation standpoint, or or elsewhere, um, you know, what 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 are the kind of things that you're keeping the closest tabs on at this point? Um, well, let's see. Or that you see as the top, uh, you know, concerns. Well, I think you've pointed out that you know how are we going to spend that that money, both mm -hmm. in the school department. I mean, that's a whole nother thing we haven't. Uh, discussed, yeah. but that's, you know, the public needs to hear about that, and um, this whole trend to that the the school department is pushing at the urging of the state with incentives is we're going to build big schools and we're going to do away with little schools, mm -hmm. and. Um, I understand the financial incentives, but I'd rather my kids went to a smaller school, mm. you know, on the elementary level, and I was glad that they did. Uh, and I think, I mean, that's one of the people, the, the state seems to be going in two directions. One is it's opening the door to more charter schools, um, I mean, over the over recent years, yeah. which tend to be small. And on the other hand, they're giving financial incentives to build elementary schools that are have hold close to 500 kids. So, um, you know, maybe you sit down and say, well, um, we have this 22 million, and if we build a new school and it's 500 people, uh, we're going to get X number of dollars extra in incentives from the state. But if we want to keep small schools, we can use some of this $22 million for that. I mean, I don't know how the numbers work out, mm. but I think that would be worth looking at. I think people uh, like the small elementary schools. And um, I, I, I think that's something people should really look at, whether that makes sense to, you know, the closed barrows, mm -hmm. closed, uh, they say uh, Waterman is going to be closed. Yeah. Uh, and there are others that, uh, if you look at the long-range plan, that they talk about uh, closing. Um, uh, I think Arlington has talked about closing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, that'll be something to watch, definitely. And we got the the Garden City project is supposed to commence here in, I guess, probably just a couple of weeks whenever they're out of school, I think. The, the yeah, I know that's next. Yeah. Uh, so. I gotta say, it was uh, during the budget process this year, you know, it it uh, it was strange for me watching it because it's been such, in past years, you know, you have almost, uh, I think every year that I've covered, you know, proposed a series of amendments to increase the school appropriation, the local appropriation. And this mm -hmm. year there was no, uh, there was no call for that. I don't, I think the stimulus money had something to, to do with that. I know the, the Hopkins administration proposed more of an increase than the Fung administration typically had, but, uh, it was a little, you know, missing piece of the budget process for me watching it. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's also, um, something that's that's uh, coming down the road is that because of the the, the change in the state funding formula mm -hmm. uh mayor fung and the council never really had to fund the schools in a major way um for for really the time that i was on the council um it was it was on the school committee and it was bad but um so, you know, $1.5 million increase in the school budget is something like 1%. That's not very realistic in the future if your student population stays the same. Yeah. So there'll be um, pressure on the city to come up with more money, and that hasn't been a requirement of a municipal budget. You know, to give the schools, and I mean, to give the schools another 
to give them three million, that's probably two percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but that's a an, an extra million and a half is a big chunk out of the city budget. Yeah. So I think parents need to be uh, watching what's happening. And again, the the stimulus money may be a a temporary solution, but um, I think the mayor ought to be, I'm sure he is, but uh, uh, the examining other places that the city can save money. Yeah, and it seems that funding formula seems to have flipped to the city's disadvantage at this this year. It was uh, essentially, you know, it was like a $36,000 state increase and the the explanation was always a little convoluted, but I guess it has to do with uh, the revaluation and the wealth calculation that Ride uses and stuff like that. But yeah, be- I don't know the details. I mean, I would I was that formula worked wonders for I don't know eight or nine years, yeah. and then in year ten you get thirty six thousand, and it's a terrible formula. I mean, you got to have some memory of what happened yeah. before. Yeah. But it, yeah, things got all skewed when they uh, by the legislature. They, uh, Speaking of the legislature, I guess that would be a good place to pivot. I, I wanted to uh, uh, just get your thoughts on kind of the political scene. You know, we're heading into a uh, the election next election. Somehow is not that far off. About a year from now, I guess we'll be getting uh, candidate declarations, and I'll be getting a lot of emails and uh, <laughs> announcements in my inbox. But uh, we're going to, you know, I get to start off at the, you know, I guess top down, you know, we're looking at uh, the, the big ticket races will be on the state level with the governor's office open. I think four of the five general offices uh, open. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any race in particular you're watching, any candidate or prospective candidate you're watching? Uh, on the state level? Yeah. Um, no. Um, you know, I don't... Uh, have somebody that really fires me up and I don't have strong negative feelings again about, uh, I'm concerned with, uh, Dan McKee's support for, uh, charter schools. Mm. Uh, that, that's a, a big thing uh, with me. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm waiting to see what they have to say and who declares. Mm. And, I think it's going to be a fairly crowded field for the governor's office. Although I think uh, it strikes me that McKee is in a stronger position than anyone would have thought, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I certainly that's... I, he's um, going way up in, uh, I would think, name recognition and yeah. and uh, fundraising ability, you know, because the lieutenant governor is a pretty zero position. Yeah. And now he's the governor. Just always seen in a, in a primary, you know... A, a multi-way primary from that position, I'd never thought he would be particularly, you know, I thought he would have a very tough time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but now he's, uh, I don't know, we'll see how the field goes. But on the local level, I mean, the, the, this is probably a bit premature, but, uh, you know, the council races will be, uh, you know, the the council, all the council seats will be up again. Uh, have, have you personally given any thought to your future at this point or uh, what you, politically if you're looking to get back into it and what else might you be watching on the local level in terms of uh... um, well I mean I have it has gone through my mind about the possibility of, of running but um, I haven't given it any serious consideration and I, I want to kind of see you know, as you said, I mean, I was involved in this stuff for 20 years, and yeah. uh, now I'm not. And I sort of want to make a, a judgment in my own life whether that's that's the way I want to... Do I want to go back to serving in public office or not? Yeah. So I haven't really decided that. Oh, that's understandable. I, <laughs> I can tell you I'm not going to run and run a vegetable farm at the same time. <laughs> That's uh, not a good idea for anyone who's thinking about it. Yeah. So. Any other parting thoughts? Anything else you want to uh, get out to the community while we have you here? Um, well, I had one, uh, one thought, I guess. Um, 
for uh, uh, the council and the mayor, kind of a, um, and that, I guess that was triggered by the, the uh, uh, mayor's proposal, which passed, uh, to spend a million dollars on Cranston uh, Baseball Stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know the mayor was a, a longtime baseball coach and he likes baseball. I like baseball a lot. Um, but I think um, the number of kids playing baseball is declining. Uh, the little leagues are when, uh, you know, uh, 20 years ago there were four little leagues in Cranston, now there are two. And I uh, went to, um, uh, during a reading week, they would have us come in. Uh, uh, we could go in and read a story to uh, an elementary school class. And I went into uh, Arlington School, mm. and the theme was uh, baseball, I think. Uh, and I asked the kids, uh, it was a fifth grade class, how many of you play baseball or softball on an organized team? And I think two hands went up. And so I then, that was really shocking to me. And I um, asked the school department, this was probably five, six years ago. I asked the school department to uh, survey all the elementary schools in the, I think it was the fifth grade, to see how many kids were playing baseball or softball. And there were large numbers the largest number of, of kids, uh, proportionally, based on the size of the number of fifth graders, were at uh, Rhodes and Hope Highlands and I believe Orchard Farms, hmm. which are probably the three highest income uh, schools. Uh, they're certainly three of the higher income schools. And, I, and, the, and the low numbers were, you know, Edgewood Highland, Gladstone, uh, Arlington, uh, the schools that are near the Providence line. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I know the mayor is, is a big baseball fan, and I think that the city ought to look at some way we're, we're failing those kids in, the, in uh, playing baseball or softball. Um, and we ought to look at how do we get what, what are, why aren't those kids playing the sports? And the quickest answer is, oh, they're playing soccer. My bet is they're not playing soccer either uh, as, a, as an organized team. So how do we uh, get those children involved in these uh, various activities? And it, and it isn't just a sports thing. I, I bet that kind of trend uh, can be seen in the... Uh, uh, music program. I mean, I was, uh, I don't know how many people are in the, in the Cranston East band. That's a reflection of what's happening in the elementary schools over the year. Yeah. So I think we, we need to look at how do we get um, children, maybe they have two parents working um, or they only have one parent. Um, how do we make sure that every child can be involved in these these activities, uh, so that's a that's a thought. Yeah, through a, you know expanding, making this programming more robust at the elementary level, or like. yeah, I mean maybe that's an, an option. But uh, I think the first thing that would have to be done, which which obviously I didn't do, um, is find out why aren't the uh, why aren't they kids participating. And my bet is a lot of it is uh, transportation. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the, again, you know, the, the, the uh, I think the leagues, I know they like to balance teams um, based on ability, but uh, when I was growing up, there was a, a team at my elementary school that practiced at my elementary school. Mm. And, and those were the kids who were on it. I mean, we were really lousy and we lost all our games, but 
you know, we were um, participating, and maybe that's maybe these the kids can't make it to the practice because they're they're too far away. Maybe we could look at at having uh, teams that are focused on on the neighborhood. Mm. So, and I wonder how much. I mean, I'm sure it's a, a fair chunk of it, but the role technology is playing in uh, the you know any declines in participation too. Yeah, it may be, and I think that's that's not good in any kind of. I mean, if it's maybe it's uh, maybe we throw some money at uh, an after-school art program for, uh, or we you know we try several things in the community and see what what works. I know that um, you know there's an after-school program at Bain that uh, I've heard is very. Popular, uh, federally funded, I believe, mm. and you know maybe with that that stimulus money, maybe we could do that, uh, do some experimenting, and see if we could make that work. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you very much for making the time coming in and uh, uh, have uh, enjoyed this beautiful weather, and uh, it's finally broken. It's beautiful bit. weather today. Yeah, yeah, the last was... three days were not beautiful. <laughs> that, yeah, I can imagine not. <laughs> Well, I hope it sticks like this for you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Beacon is a production of Beacon Communications, publisher of the Warwick Beacon, Cranston Herald, Johnston Sunrise, and Coventry Reminder newspapers. Find us online at warwickonline.com, cranstononline.com, johnstonsunrise.net. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at RhodeyBeat, R-H-O-D-Y-B-E-A-T. This podcast is hosted by Anchor Podcasts. Subscribe today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other podcast platforms.